0: You're listening to Pointing Pointers, the Point-to-Point podcast. There was a time when my world good evening, welcome to Pointing Pointers and uh, what a week it's been for British Point-to-Pointing. i um, very pleased to say that alongside Mike and James this evening, uh, Johnny is conspicuous by his absence, we have Mr. Tom Ellis. Tom, how are you doing? Very well, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, really good, thanks. Now, um, it's been a brilliant uh, week for uh, British Point to Point. As said on the on, on the on the biggest of stages, obviously you winning the uh, Fox Hunters, um, and uh, you know You're running really well. Sam Whaley, cohen winning the national. Uh, it's been a, it's been a, been a really good week. Uh, it hasn't been a vintage week um, on the point to point field. So we're going to turn this week's episode. Uh, into a bit of a a tom Ellis special sorry for not giving you any warning but uh i'm sure our 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 listeners will be really keen to um to hear we've been remiss in not getting you on before now so uh thanks for thanks for joining us not at all um so so tom um when you were riding winners and learning your craft with horses and um marrying gina etc i was um still busy trying to be a rock star so i am very ignorant to a lot of your background and um how you've got to where you've got to and i think that might be helpful for this interview because there will definitely be other people in my position that have come into the sport a little bit later and don't know a great deal about tom ellis so if you would start us at the very beginning of your involvement with horses and we'll sort of work our way through to to winning the fox hunters last week
1: so uh how did it all begin tom um well I came from sort of a hunting farming background. Um, mum and dad hunted a lot with the Warwickshire. Uh my uncle was John Pritchard, who used to ride. Um, and I used to go over there and ride out a bit in my holidays, sort of got got the bug for it, if you like. Yeah. Um so I had a slow start to my career, just a couple of old horses at home. And then it it, it sort of started to take off, sort of just when I turned 21, really. And I rode plenty of winners, a lot for Jimmy Tarry, um, quite a few for Freddie Hutsby as well. Um, mm. I rode 40 odd winners in in um Ken Hutsby, Fred's father's colours alone. So wow. Um I was really I was really lucky. I, I rode some really nice horses and and met a lot of people along the way and you know, built built some good connections up for, for this stage now of my career, really.
0: Yeah, that certainly would have helped, I'm sure. Um and so was the transition between um, riding and training kind of seamless or or was it a um
1: kind of forced <laughs> um I, I i broke my leg quite badly at mollington um in 2015 mm. six weeks before we were due to get married but you were um, that got me in quite a lot of trouble because we missed the a, a riding safari for the honeymoon oh. so um yeah i was in the bad books before we even walked down the aisle but uh <laughs> that's all history now um i sort of took the view the following season that we were starting to get busier in the yard at home and gina was obviously very keen to carry on riding and she's probably slightly more talented than ever i was so um i felt it was probably the mature thing to do to step back and and and, you know let her ride them all really
0: yeah (laughs) fair enough and um It's uh, not that she needed your help, but it's proven to be quite a a decent decision. Obviously, she's uh, formidable in the saddle.
1: Yeah, she's brilliant. Um, You know, I I think people sort of, they don't perhaps realise quite how good she is at home with the horses. You know, there's no real fluke that that we've managed to bring some, you know, right through from Maidens all the way to Hunter Chase winners. Really, it's testament to Gina's skill and, and the nursery she's sort of perfected at home with them really you know they mm. they get well ridden every day they're well schooled they're taught properly um improvement i see in certain horses as the as the season goes on and they get going up the grades you know that that's totally down to her really and nobody else mm. so mm. yeah she's very good
2: I get the impression with the uh, Ellis stable that you quite enjoy having the uh, sort of older horses and them all progressing through and having those open horses because I know now we're in a situation where you need to be commercial, you need to be turning these horses over, but um, yours is one of the stables that's doing both and doing it quite successfully.
1: Yeah, I mean from our angle, like the young horses is what I personally enjoy the most. Probably, Um, they're incredibly rewarding and incredibly trying at the same time, but you do need to have those older horses about as well to sort of, A, keep your name up there in in highlights, hopefully, through the season, but also to, to keep the yard sort of enjoying everything because it's it can be a long, hard slog with those three-slash-four-year-olds, you know, when things aren't going quite to plan at Christmas time and you're roughing them off and, you know, they're pulling muscles, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you've still got those, sort of old faithfuls, if you like, to, to sort of drop back to and, and run, you know, every other week or every month, once every month through the season. It, it gives everybody something to look forward to, definitely. I was mm.
2: talking to another trainer the other day and, and he'd be sort of fully on trying to sell them, uh, either just broken or after they have run or anything. But the whole the whole ethos is to sell everything. And he was saying it's getting hard to retain staff because, you know, you get a good horse in the yard and they're either selling it straight away after it's been second in its point or they're selling it before it even gets to the track. So I think at least with what you're doing, people have got the enthusiasm. At the end of the day, you've got Fox Hunters to um, winner in the yard next year, haven't you? So uh,
1: Yeah, it, exactly. It, it's a big pool for owners too. And, you know, it, like... We do try and look after them as best we can. There's, they're certainly not doing it for the financial reward, but that's a whole different subject. But, um, yeah, we try and look after the owners as best we can. And like we've had loads of success with little syndicates and, and different things over the years. It's been it's been really good and it's something we're trying to build up, definitely.
3: You touched on um, Gino, obviously being not only really good on the track, but at home with youngsters as well. But obviously uh, Jack Andrews was a big part in that previously um you must be missing him now he's gone professional
1: yeah to be honest he'd done a lot of the hard work this season before before he turned um I'm hoping that he's going to come back in the spring and do the breaking when we get get going to the sales in a month's time really um he 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 was an invaluable part of our team and yeah no one's irreplaceable but we'll struggle to replace somebody like him definitely but you know, Gina's a fairly able substitute. Definitely nice to see him
3: uh, doing so well, though, and being rewarded for taking the plunge.
1: Yeah, he's, a, he's an exceptionally talented rider, um, both horseman and and as a jockey. You know, he's he's just an incredibly gifted guy. Um, I couldn't be happier for him. You know, he, he was he's very hardworking. He's extremely dedicated. How the hell he keeps his weight down to where he is, I've no idea, but. Um, it just kind of um, gives you an idea of just how much it means to him, really.
0: Definitely.
1: Um, Tom,
0: um, how did you build from riding and having no horses in the yard to having 60 horses in the yard? Um, how how did that work? But to
1: be honest, I, I'm not going to say it's happened by accident because it hasn't, but it, we never dreamt it would get to where it's got to so quickly. Um mm. You know, six years ago, we had 15 horses in the yard and then all of a sudden we're to where we are now. And, yeah, there's been a lot of hard work going into it. I feel we've got a really strong selling point. The fact the owners know they've got Gina every weekend um, or most weekends. You know, they are going to get ridden by who I think is the best rider um riding and the record sort of speaks for itself on that yeah um it's not really up for debate. That that is one, a big, is it? <laughs> no well it a good debate I suppose but, um she's you know she is good and it, it is a big pull for them and I'd like to think did I ever think we'd have won three trainers championships and on the way to a fourth five years ago absolutely not we'd had seven winners the season before i think we won the first one we had a bloody good clear out that summer um changed the gallop that made the biggest difference to everything oh really then there was, yeah we we uh off um the old surface of wolverhampton race course when they redid that and we just we just couldn't get them fit enough um we put a deep sand we literally just, just train off a two furlong loop. We've um, had horses that don't leave it and then they can go and win after 18 months off. They never leave a hat canter. Um, we don't do anything fancy with them, um, but we get a really good base fitness into them, I feel. Mm. They often improve quite a bit from their first run to their second run. And I feel that they've, that's something we've perhaps, uh, the longer we've been at it, the better we've got at sort of, maintaining a horse through a season whereas to start off with we could get them right for the first day and then their form would often tail off after that there is mm. the, the more you do it the more you have the confidence to just not overwork them I think and
3: that's interesting to, to hear so you, you know like you get them to a certain level without grueling them at home and killing them up a hill all the time and just sort of that's-
1: yeah literally i mean it shocks quite a few people when they come to have a look around like Derek o'connell was over the other day doing some filming for Goths, and yeah, i saw that he he said oh let's go down and have a look at the gallops and i said so we drove down to the to the loop we've got and he says oh that's, this is good he said where's the rest of it i said this is it <laughs> <laughs> um, and he just couldn't get his head around it uh he said he's expecting big open gallops and all sorts but we, we, we don't. We keep it really simple. I think it's easy to overcomplicate things. There's a real routine of what goes on at our place every day. Um, Gina's a stickler for that. You know, first lot pulls out, they, they trot around the school, they go down to the gallop, they do their work, they come back, they get washed off and they go on the walker. Um, you know, and, and that kind of carries on all season, really uh we don't mix things up too much the horses will school once a week um we do take them away to the grass we've got a big grass field that we do do a bit round the, the young horses more so than the older horses but yeah we keep things relatively straightforward to be honest
3: that's mm. really interesting
0: it is really interesting and I'm partly like rejoicing inside because I, I've been thinking for a while that a circular gallop would be the way to do it with deep sand and then I'm also sort slightly, slightly crying inside because I've just bought a fair bit of subtle surface. Um, so um, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> sucks to be me. Anyway no that's, uh, that's, that's really really interesting. Um, Tom we've brought it up many times that we would like the leaderboard on the point to point website to be slightly more contemporaneous um but excuse my ignorance have you reached 50 yet and if not are you going to do it this weekend uh
1: 148 point to point winners this time so you've Um, you've you've equaled your tally congratulations (laughs) so we've gone we've gone by that 43 was actually oh okay yeah 43 point to point winners was our best and then we we trained five Hunter Chase winners that season as well. So I see. Uh, if you include the Hunter Chase winners, yes, we have hit 50, but uh, 48 point point winners. So um, we're two off Jack Barber's record uh, once we get to 50. so Amazing.
0: Uh, so you're basically you know, going to do that. Forward. I'd be amazed if you don't do that this season. You be- and, and it looks for the world like you're going to have to stop training now for anyone to catch you in the trainers' championship. So you, you must be over the moon with the way this season's gone.
1: Yeah, we we had a very slow start but we kind of made a bit of a decision in the summer that a lot of the owners are quite keen on they like going racing when it's close to home and Mm. like they enjoy the picnic side of it and everything else. So we didn't want to start dragging them around the country in November, um, or October even, you know, because it makes it a long year and it's it's hard for the horses to last. So we, we had a slow start. We actually had only had about nine runners by the first of December, I think. Um, so, you know, we'd had less runners, I think, than Alan had had winners at one stage. So, <laughs> yeah, it was a bit, there was a moment when I was thinking, Christ, I don't know whether we've done the right thing here. But um, once we started running them sort of post Christmas, yeah, the, the winners started to come and touch wood. The horses have been, in, they've been very healthy. They look great in themselves. Um, so and you, they've held their form really well. So you've so
0: basically given the season a Jamie Spencer ride is what you're telling me. I
1: I think there'd have been something wrong if we if we if we hadn't have, have racked up a fairly sizable total with the number we've had in, but yeah. Um yeah. did I think we'd be getting to this point? Not really, not yet anyway. So um mm. we've had a nice bunch, which makes a big difference. Um, you know, we've had a few maidens that have gone on one, two or three. Um and if you can have half a dozen horses do that all of a sudden you you knock a few up don't you mm. so
0: yeah and and so you said on um on nick look um on sunday uh last november uh that you had mm. 23 year olds in how many of them have you sold and how many have
1: you got left oh don't just put me on the spot <laughs> like that um i think we've sold about eight of them um we've roughed probably another eight off and we've probably got another four or five left to run so nice yeah it's roughly where we are with those um a couple of big horses that we bought one from the derby sale for example um he just needs a bit of time yeah felt it kept pushing him you know things would have gone wrong and they don't they don't all come to hand really really early so Mm. uh that's something we've learned over the last few years is, is is it's as hard to know when to stop as it is to know when to push them, really. And mm. I think a uh, cautious approach is often better, really.
3: Tom, you sort of suggested that, you know, things have happened a lot quicker than you thought or got bigger than what you actually thought would be achievable. So with that in mind, over the next sort of five seasons or so, where how do you see your business progressing or where would you like it to progress to
1: I think in terms of numbers I wouldn't really envisage it getting any bigger um I think we've had we've probably had 60 horses through our hands this year but probably only 52 or 50 so will have run (laughs) like we I think if we were to get too many more, there comes a point when logistically it's not really possible to run them.
3: Um, Other than me- running against yourselves all the time,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah Jiggins Town uh, having eight in the same race, yeah, <laughs> I hate doing that. Um, yeah, you know, especially
3: it, if you're wanting to sell. You know, for a lot of them youngsters that you're wanting to sell on, you don't really want to be I running. Mean,
1: they're not. They're not. To be honest, they're not so much the problem. Um, the issue we have had this time is. We've been lucky enough to have a really good bunch of open horses, and there's seven or eight of them there. And even if you want to run them once every month, that's two every weekend, you know. Mm. So you've got to run an open horse
0: need a second at every meeting, yeah.
1: Um, you know, and it yeah. Well, we've got we've had three boxes out some weekends, <laughs> but like we, we will travel. Um, I like going up north. I find the people very friendly um we've had a lot of luck up there they've got some great tracks up in the north end of the country you know a lot better than some of them around here um
3: you don't like traveling down to my neck of the woods too much down in devon
1: it's, we've, it's, road, it's just it's somewhere Mike. we've never been <laughs> um <laughs> we've, we've barely ever had a runner in the southwest to be honest um it's, when gina came on that.
0: gina gina said it's because the competition's too tough and I was surprised... Yeah, she's
1: right. It I, is. <laughs> yeah, but I'm
0: surprised that she would say that. Being as competitive, I thought she'd want to go down and beat everyone, you know, come back with a few trophies, you know. She, go likes, and conquer. she likes winning, doesn't yeah, she? Well, yeah, well, yeah, that's it. fairly obvious. So I thought she'd want to go down there and take the lot and come back up. But, I mean, Will Biddick's got a fairly good grip of things down there. I was looking, he's streaking away with the men's title this year, isn't he? Yeah, he
1: is, yeah. I wouldn't rule out James King just yet, mind. Um, no, no. He'd have a fairly good army of... of Followers that would run them when the ground gets quick as well. So mm. yeah, that could really hot up into a tasty little race. That could
0: yeah, be very interesting to see how it pans out. Like you say, um, yeah, it would, it would really. So uh, going on to your most uh, notable recent success, um the story of, of late night pass I mean, it's I mean it's kind of with with um, with. Samuel Cohen winning the national on his final ride, it's kind of got lost a little bit in in good stories of last week. But to have bred the horse, have your mother own the horse, you train the horse, and Gina ride the horse is a dream, right?
1: Yeah, it's a really special day. And um, to be able to do it all as a family Mm. literally meant so much. Um, That horse was actually born the night before I had my one and only ride at Aintree. (laughs) <laughs> um, we were up half the night folding him and made sure it was all right before we headed off to Aintree the next morning um that's amazing. It's like weird how things mm. pan out in life but um did I think at that point we'd read a Aintree Fox Hunters winner no way <laughs> <laughs> um I remember after we'd run him the first season he'd been beaten I think he'd finished fourth and third and fourth again or something, thinking, well, we said he might win a maiden, but beyond that, we'll have to see really. Don't you know how far he's gonna go and progress. Well price, we got that one wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um that next season we took him down to Charing of all places, um, for a two and a half mile maiden and finished second to Carito de Bras. <laughs> I mean who'd have ever thought that those two would have met in the wow. southeast at <laughs> at that track of all, you know. So um yeah it's it's it is a great story and how he's worked out and gone up the grades is, is lovely, really.
3: Having it so you know, you your wife ride it and your mum breed it and own it. Obviously that makes it a lot sweeter, but how do you separate family fr- on bad days and bad bad results? How do you how do you separate it or or is it twenty four seven you can't get away from
1: Can't really separate it to be honest. Like we we live together, we work together, we go racing every weekend yeah. together. Um, yeah, we do have bad days like everybody does. And uh, it's probably those days that make you appreciate days like Thursday even more. <laughs>
0: I can imagine. Um, yeah.
1: We we've The longer we've been doing it together now, the, the more we've perhaps learned how to deal with each other as much as anything. Um, when things aren't going right is when... Tensions can run high and it's best just to drive home in silence. <laughs> <laughs> Turn <laughs> the music seems, up another notch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That seems to be what we do. If, if it does go wrong, right. um, no, we've had a great time of it. So not been too many quiet days home.
2: <laughs> and will he be roughed off now? I shouldn't think there's much else for him, is there? And come back next year at the same you know,
1: time? I did um, an hour about taking him to Punchestown, but he's only nine. Uh, I think we could realistically have a good shot of going back and defending our title next year. Uh, Leave him him at home now, turn him away in the field when the weather gets a bit better. And then literally follow a similar route, I would imagine, back to Aintree if we can. Um, Hopefully we won't have to go for a wind up five weeks before the big race, but um, that was literally the only glitch. Is
2: that why he didn't run it? Cheltenham and freshen him up?
1: Yeah, we made a decision last year. I felt, well, Gina and I both felt we'd left our entry race at Cheltenham, really. Uh, he had a hard race at Cheltenham to finish fourth. Probably doesn't stay three and a quarter miles in a big race like that. He's, he's quite a speedy horse. And, you know, I just felt if we went to Aintree fresh, then it would give us the best possible chance. And it paid off, thank God. Didn't
3: Dan Skelton say that um, if you miss Miss the festival that you'd win at Aintree last year?
1: Yeah. Literally the first thing he said to me when I was called up last year, you'll win this next year as long as you don't go back, back to Cheltenham. So, yeah, he wasn't wrong. <laughs>
2: uh, That's probably why he trains 200 winners a year. Yeah, he's learned something over the years, hasn't he? <laughs> Definitely.
3: But um, being, um, having professional trainers run in Hunter Chases comes, uh, receives quite a lot of criticism, but uh it must have made it a lot sweeter, sort of beating the likes of Nichols there at the highest level.
1: Yeah, de- definitely. I mean, from a personal point of view, uh, I feel that those horses that are running in hunter chases, the, the trainers aren't running them in those races because they want the prize money. They're running them in those races because they're not good enough to win the other races that they can run around in for five times the prize money. You know, most hunter chases are worth three grand to the winner, whereas. Those horses that are back running in hunter chase, we run around in a week for for ten grand. Yeah. You know, um, th- they're there because they they're not quite as good as they once were. And but like, we've bought those kind of horses in the past to try and take us to those big days, and it hasn't really worked out. And I feel that if you want to go there with a big chance uh, of of being competitive, you've you've got to bring one up through the grades and hope. And pray to God that you get one good enough. You know, like Dubai Quest here finished fourth at Cheltenham. It was only his third start over regulation fences. He's you know a young progressive horse, if you like. Um, whereas Haymount who we ran there a few years ago, he was a 140 horse, but on his way back down, you know, he wasn't running to that mark anymore, and he just wasn't good enough. Um mm. uh, and I think. That's kind of the tack that we've taken, anyway. Definitely, so yeah, it doesn't really bother me that they run in these races. I can see why it annoys people, but my view on it is just take them on, and when you beat them, it's even sweeter.
0: Yeah, you can see the case for that
2: for sure. Would you be worried about the lack of runners in some of these hunter chases? You know, we're getting to the stage that five runners seems to be quite good for hunter chase at the minute.
1: Yeah, it it is a worry, definitely. Um It is a worry. I don't really know what the answer is. I think that's a problem that, that runs right through racing from every level. Yeah, um, definitely. You look at the National Hunt Chase at the festival this year, well, was It was a six runners? Well, that was always a maximum field, wasn't it? Um, you know, and, and, and racing in the week, then they're not, you don't see big fields, point of pointing. Again, like we talked about before we started recording it, the last few weeks we've had a, pretty poor show of runners to be honest um there needs to be a bit of a rethink on it all Mm. that's what i think personally but
0: yeah
2: difficult to know what to do though isn't it because it needs so much investment like i'm not particularly into my betting or you know uh generating for the levy because i i don't think that's that important i i breed racehorses because i want to breed winners I'm not bothered about yeah. whether they go off at six to six to one, but you you know you do sort of see that that it, it does generate money, and if we keep having three runner fields, it's just not it's not much fun for people to get involved with. No, um, it, but then in scary. saying that, people bet on football, don't they? And that's a two <laughs> two runner sport. So you know maybe we just need to look at it more in depth, and and you know I don't know there must be an answer to it.
1: There must. Yeah, it, I, I do think there's got to be an increase in prize money. Um, yeah. But- I was actually looking back in the office today, and I found a hunt certificate from 2009. Cost seventy five pound to register it. <laughs> it's two is two hundred and seventy five quid now,
3: yeah.
1: and we're running around for exactly the same prize money, but we're having to pay double the entry fee.
2: And your diesel was <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly, as opposed to ninety p. Um, that that kind of sums it up in one go, doesn't it? Really. Um, things have stood still and they need moving forward. And the answer to it, I don't know, but um, there's got to be a way of doing it. And it needs a fairly radical shuffle around, I think, personally. Like
3: at the week weekend, we've lost uh, one meeting on Saturday. Oh. Yeah, so that's down to six. Yeah. We've got six meetings over the whole country on Saturday and a further nine on the Monday. Well, there's not really the horses to have 15 meetings over the whole country, is
1: there? No, there's there's not. And I think this uh, one thing that early season racing has shown us is if you limit the opportunities and, and COVID as well probably showed us this last season, if you limit the opportunities for people and restrict the number of meetings, you get really good quality racing with lots and lots of runners. And I do think personally that they perhaps gotta bring it back as a national sport as opposed to a regional sport. It's gonna upset people, of course it is, but we need change otherwise there is a big risk we could lose it forever and that would be a crying shame really it's such a great sport and one i'm really passionate about and i wouldn't want to see it go go and die a death like that yeah i don't
3: really know why there is you know there's no if anything there's less hunts than there was in the past so why is there why is there so much racing on and and like the cost of it you've touched on like it's so expensive now, you're going to struggle to have the person that has one one pointer or two pointers for that that amount of money, aren't you? That, that it costs you for a season to have that's three or four definitely. runs. It's a lot of money.
1: Well, one thing I think that we've found that's notable in our own yard, especially is where you'd have perhaps had an owner who would have always had a pointer-pointer of their own. They, they don't have that horse anymore, but they'd perhaps have a share in two, three or four horses um with you know three or four friends it splits the cost up and it minimizes their risk because if you've invested all that money in one horse and he gets a leg first time out or goes wrong before you even get to run him the money's all gone whereas at least if you've got a share in a few you know you've got so many more opportunities and days out and and you know a better chance of enjoying your season with your friends really um, and I think that's kind of the way that we've started to push things, definitely.
0: I think that's really, really smart, Tom. And I think racing as a whole needs to turn its nose up less at syndication and accept that that, that is probably the only way it survives. I mean, if you look at Fergal O'Brien, like two thirds of the horses in his yard are syndicate horses and he's got to 150 horses or whatever in no in no time at all. And yes, he's yeah, training exactly. winners, but he's training winners for a lot of people who are evangelical about Ferglai He's got a massive following on Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. And, and uh, the vast majority of the horses in that yard are syndicate horses. And it's, um, you know, racing as we know is slow to change, but there isn't the same um, amount of people with individual wealth that are going to just keep pouring money into the sport with absolutely no return because generally people who've made a lot of money are, shrewd enough to want some sort of return on the on what they're putting in money into and i think like you say if you can be part of an experience 10 5-10 ten people in a horse and it adds value to your life and you're not respecting in return that's the only way that racing is really going to survive in my in my view
1: no i completely agree and you know going back going back to like the the commercial side of our business with young horses and that we've actually started to get a few of those owners then who'd have always kept you know an old horse perhaps and enjoyed that over the years they've started to buy into a few of these three-year-olds with us now and Mm. just they're not going in there thinking they're going to make money but there's the hope that they've got a chance of making a few quid out of it and if they have a bit of luck then they reinvest it you know in older horses and again it's only a positive then because it it brings more money back into the sport you know
0: yeah yeah absolutely um so that's now we've kind of arrived there at, at earlier than I was planning to, but I want to sort of ask you about how you sort of balance the commercial aspect of the of the versus the sporting aspect and you perhaps just answered it to a degree. I mean, you've been open about the fact that you basically break even on training horses and you have to rely on the the um, the sale of the young horses to to make it pay. Um I mean I suppose that that model works if you if like yourselves you're able to have a lot of horses in and um and kind of make that work what my concern is, I suppose, and I don't know whether anyone's got the answer, but i'll I'll ask you it anyway um to to get more and more money for these three year olds well four year olds um the competition needs to be stiffer and in order for that to happen you need to create more people, you, not you personally, we need to create more people like you to run horses against you so that the form stands up better. Um, how is there any way we can do that? I mean, that's a massive question, obviously. How, how can we get to a position where there is more um, people in a position to take you on?
1: It's all about increasing numbers. I think as much as anything, take the race at Edgecut, um, week before entry then the four-year-old race we ran a horse by asking there um fran and charlie had a presenting and bradley ran a champs Elysees. all three of them look like proper rules horses of the future um probably work out to be a really really good race long term what we were lacking were another three horses in there that to
0: finish 20 lengths behind
1: have... no not not even that but just bulk the race out a bit um yeah. yeah you know you've got one in there that almost dragged you along for a circuit and a half or whatever the case may be it we, you do need you do need runners um i personally feel having been to so many of these sales now the biggest thing you've got to have is a good looking horse with a bit of size and a bit of pedigree to go with it because if you've lack in any one of the three, you really struggle to sell them. Whatever they've run against is almost immaterial.
0: That's really interesting.
1: The first horse we ever sold, Euro got he was out of a Welsh National winner. He won a four-runner race around Andoversford that was was literally a bike race. Um, he, we got 105 grand for him at Ain'tree, but he had size, he had scope, he was a very correct mover. And, and he had a bit of page to go with it. Mm. Obviously, we were very lucky to get sent him. He wasn't a horse we'd bought. But I, I do feel that the arse course we sold at Aintree, he, he lacked any, any sort of page at all. There we were no winners in his family. And it, he was a great mover, he was 16-3. He won really well. I don't think it mattered if he'd won an 18-runner race. I think we'd have had a limit to what we could sell him for, to be honest. Um, that's my personal view. I'm not saying it's right, but that's what I found. Sort of on that on that other end of it, when you're at the sales trying to push them towards Colin Tizard or John Joe or Ben Paulin or Dan or Gigginstown or whoever it may be, you've got to have a horse that you can pull out that takes the eye and they th- and kind of makes them sit back and go, "Wow, that's a nice one." Mm. Um, and, and
0: you got half a chance then. Yeah, it's something I was going to ask you about, and I think James was going to ask you, but he seems to have um, got lost in his sheep truck and is probably making his way to his house. So we can now see the underside <laughs> of his kitchen cupboard. So that's good, James. Congratulations. Ran out of battery on my phone. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to we're going um, to ask you how you uh pick your horses at sales and and. I think you've given us an, a, a bit of insight into the answer there. But um, so you're going, you're going there looking for size, scope, and uh, a bit of a page, then basically.
1: Yeah, uh, David Feeding's a massive, massive part of that operation, whether it be with the older horses or the young horses. He he, he finds and sources just about all of them now. He, him, and I and Jack or go to the store sales the day before. We look at no end of horses, make a short list, look at them all again um it's hard going but yeah they've got to move really well that's the one thing because if they're not moving well as a three-year-old before they've been trained the time they've been trained um, got fit and taught to jump and everything else the time you get them there then to to go back to Cheltenham or Aintree or Doncaster wherever it may be they're crippled (laughs) and then they really are hard to sell to someone so yeah, just try and look for a big athlete, really. And if if he's related to a few winners and happy days, basically.
2: So you've bought a few Phillies recently as well. Would you be sort of... I think the market's moved on now, hasn't it? You don't have to be quite so scared about buying There was a time where you'd have to buy a baby. You know?
1: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree there. Yeah, there's there's you've got to kind of have a few nice Phillies on your team because the one thing with them, if they do go and do the job, there's always those two or three punters who only want to buy a filly and we sort of highlighted that at Cheltenham perhaps with the, um, with the cat guard filly that sold there, you know,
0: um,
1: yeah, Peter Maloney, he, he turned up and he said, I just want to look at the fillies Well, there was only three horses in the sale that were a filly. Um, so straight away, you're at, I'm not saying an advantage, but you're in a very small select group at that point. um, she won a what was probably not a great maiden. Uh, she won very impressively, uh, like number of runners wise, only five, and she topped it for a highest price for a British filly out of a point of point. So that kind of reiterates my point a little bit, or or my feelings on it anyway. Um, mm. I, I think that's where I'm coming from anyway
0: and um and that's uh, the commercial aspect of it and i suppose then on the flip side you've bred you've homebred um with a with a i suppose a stallion that's that's been in and out of fashion over the years in passing glance. and you've you've bred the the Foxhunters fox hunters winner with, with with i mean how much of a page has he got right
1: well, i think i won three point of points on the mother um who was a sister to a bumper winner and that's pretty well it Mm. Um, <laughs> it's interesting isn't it you see, I mean, see how I'm going with that a good page now, anyway. yeah the, like the difference there is we're the end user um, <laughs> yeah exactly if, it, like if I took him to a store sale or, or a sale after he'd won his point of point he, he literally wouldn't have got a second look he's 15'3 he's about as wide as a razor blade um, he's a, quite a crack little horse um, he's a, and he is a brilliant mover um, but, but would he be saleable at one of those select sales most definitely not <laughs> mm. um they wouldn't look twice at him but but you know we were breeding him to to to, to benefit from him long term so i'm not saying there was any skill in what we did there because there I mean, certainly wasn't but um we got really lucky and she's obviously not a bad broodmare because the sister looks like she's sort of starting to shape up into quite a nice horse as well is the sister a passing glance as well no she's actually a malin Oh yeah, um yeah. Later. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. We, we we I've only had three of them and they've all won for us. So um yeah, we get on well with them or seem to. Um I've got a full brother to late night pass who's a yearling, so I'm really excited about him. He's he's got loads of size to him and he's lovely. Um, one to look forward to in a few years' time anyway.
2: One of the best sources I've sold was by that's I didn't make very much money out of it, but he turned out to be quite a nice source, so Got a bit of a soft spot bro. You tend to go back, don't you? If you've yeah. had a bit of luck,
1: you tend to want to go back to the same size or the same downline. Oh, definitely, yeah. Definitely. If it's not broke, don't fix it, as they say. So um there was actually a really there was a really nice day there uh two seasons ago. The first year we won the championship. We ran four horses at Godstone um on a Saturday. All four of them were owned by the breeders still. And they all won, um, and that was actually a really, really special day, big time, uh, and and one that you wouldn't dream of doing too often anyway. So,
2: do you have many notes or is it just the
1: one? Uh, we've got. We seem to be acquiring more and more. But um, I know my, that feeling. <laughs> um, we've got a half sister to Acting Pieces um, called Bonnets Vino that Gina won on, Jack won on, and Bridget won on of Pam Sly uh we've got her and then there's tiger song who was a point-to-point mayor that that we won a few races with and then and late night dip and that's it just the three of them at the moment anyway so and who are
0: you using this year
1: Stanley oh here we um, go
0: i knew this was the plan james it t- sounds like you're talking through <laughs> a sieve with a battery attached to your tongue but um we'll hopefully be able to hear this when we're at it but this was all just deployed to get you to use falco tom yeah that's it <laughs> yeah
1: thanks and for coming anyway really, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. who are they in Fold 2 we're in F- Bonnets Vino's in Folds, passing Glance um, Late Night Dips in Fold to Dink and then what's the other one in Fold 2 I oh, at the National Stud oh um, um, Flag of Honour yeah exactly that Flag of Honour so supporting um, British <laughs> yeah big time yeah um, we will at some point have Calablu to to come back to the paddocks with um she's obviously a sister to sport half sister to sporting john. Um she's got a lovely pedigree. I'd love to send her to Getaway and, and try and breed a three parts brother to 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 sporting John because that would be, you know, a horse that we could do two things with. Yeah. Could either sell him at the store or, or take him all the way through to him his point of point. But um that's a that's a long way off yet. So it's something that we'll have to worry about further down the line, I'm sure.
0: Tom, um, again, listening to um, previous interviews with other people, I've noticed that um, you said that neither yourself or Gene have worked in a professional yard. And I think for a lot of our listeners, that will give them uh, hope that they don't have to come from, you know, be steeped in in racing and come from racing families and having worked, you know, for nickels for 10 years before going to train some point-to-pointers. How did you learn? Uh, YouTube, riding out? Uh, what did you? How did you? Uh, how did you? You know, come to the conclusions you've come to. I mean, I think it's it'd be um, impressive for most people that you've not worked in a yard and then, you know, built a yard of sixty horses and so many. So months. I learned.
1: I learned an awful lot of Jimmy Terry when I was there. Riding out over the years, mm. he was an incredible man to feed a horse, and he could win with horses that shouldn't be winning. Um, very talented horseman. I'm not saying it wasn't a bit rough around the edges because it perhaps was, but he did the basics right. He got the horses fit and he fed them really well and he always kept them warm and that's one thing that stuck in my mind ever since is yeah, there was straw and muck all over the place but as soon as you walked in the stable, the horses were calm they looked really well in themselves they might have had a long mane and a bit of mud on them, but you actually look beyond that they look great Got the important things and right yeah he was yeah he did the important bits right and i suppose i took bits from him and and hutsby's as well you know freddie used to get his horses seriously fit especially first run of the season you know we always used to go down to black forest lodge and you'd nearly guarantee you'd have at least one winner down there um he, again it's just doing the basics right really mm. obviously gina had They'd had quite a few horses at home over the years. Um, she bought her her bits to, to the table as well. She she she's an incredible woman to feed a horse. Um, what
0: do you mean by that, Tom? That's sorry. I'm excuse my. Um... She's very good at tipping the scoop into the pot. <laughs> yeah pretty well so what this is what I, yeah so you're talking about uh, uh, do you mean you know uh giving a horse what they need individually or do you mean just just seeing what they need and when or
1: yeah i mean kind of treating them as individuals definitely yeah. but before you go on a long journey in your car you put a load of petrol in it don't you mm. and then you drive it out of the drive and it keeps going for you whereas if you hadn't done that bit right you'd have got halfway down the road and it'd have conked out on you and training a racehorse is pretty similar to that in mm. blunt terms. You know, got to get the fuel in before you go and ask her for the big journey, really. And she's just got this incredible knack of keeping weight on horses right through the season. Mm. I don't fully know how She does it. She doesn't tell me most of the time. It is a but, skill
0: for sure. It is a skill for sure. I've seen people, you know, in hunting yards that can do it and people that can't, and it does seem yeah, to be a knack.
1: Not everyone can do it, and, and she's got this incredible knack of doing it. Um, she, she's a real stock person, if you like, yeah. I suppose, like that. Mm. Um, she's a stickler for her standards, you know. Um, they're washed off properly every day. They don't really get brushed, but they're, they're very clean when they go back in their boxes the stables are all skipped out between lots, you know, everything's neat and tidy. Um, mm. And it says kind of standards and attention to detail, I think, you know, can, can make the small differences anyway.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it, um, when we had uh, Luke Harvey on, he was saying that, you know, yeah, and probably comes back to the conversations we've had as well with them, um, other people with Charlie about marginal gains, but he was just saying, you know, like, uh, when he first started, it was just real little things like not washing off properly or whatever, and it just quite quickly getting in a pickle. And, you know, small, you know, big problems with horses start with very small things, don't they? And it's, the, like you say, that attention to detail, and it's, it's clearly, clearly... Yeah, obviously. I mean,
1: if you don't wash them off properly after they've been worked, then they get a sore under their armpit, or they get a girth sore where the sweat's rubbed them, or whatever, you know, all of a sudden, then you miss a week or 10 days of work because you've got to patch the horse up and then that knocks on you know as a massive knock on to the horse's performance later on you know when you start to ask it for to run a big race really
3: they get injured enough easy enough without sort of sloppiness the sake of just washing them off properly to save 10 days it's oh, easy isn't it you know when it
1: definitely yeah and and you know the girls we've got working for us and staff very conscientious you know they go around them at night and you know they check over them all and rug them up and brush them off like heads off anyway and that the horses is a you know they're well cared for and uh it's a testament to them really that how well they look after them, and it, it you know it's good for them that they then go and run really well
0: tom we could talked to you all night and we're gonna have to get you back on and, and pick your brains uh, further, but we 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 we're, we're approaching the hour mark, and uh, and uh, yeah, we uh, we won't take any more of your time. But um, best of luck for the rest of the season. It looks like you're on the cusp of um, you know of smashing some more records as as a as the GNT racing team. And um, yeah, wish you all the best with it.
1: Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks,
3: Tom. It was really interesting.
0: James and Mike, I know you've um, you found it very difficult without Johnny um, this week. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, great to have you as always and we'll see you again this time next week Tom it's been an absolute pleasure and uh, thanks again thank you